ago. It's a night day uh, for night dreams. If any of you are interested in sharing your night dream, if you have questions regarding night dreams, or you want me to work with your night dreams, and I will gladly do it on the air. This is the time to do it. If you need time to prepare, I will give you some time. You can call right after our show and tell time. Uh, the number here to call is 888-874-8488. Uh, Again, 888-874-4888. Um, and here is our show and tell. I picked it up on Facebook the other day and I found it funny. And atheist seated next to a little girl on an airplane and he turns to her and says, do you want to talk? Flights go quicker if you strike a conversation with a stranger or with a, a fellow passenger. The little girl who just started uh, reading her book replied to the total stranger. What do you want to talk about? Oh, I don't know, said the atheist. How about why there is no God or no heaven or hell or no life after death? He smiled. Okay, said the little girl. Those could be interesting topics. But let me ask you a question. A horse, a cow and a deer all eat the same stuff, grass. Yet a deer excretes little pellets, while cow turns out a flat patty. But a horse produces one big clump. Why do you suppose it is? The atheist, visibly surprised by the little girl's intelligence, thinks for a while and says, I have no idea. To which the little girl replies, do you really feel <clears throat> qualified to discuss God, heaven, and hell, or life after death, when you don't know shit? Um, that's it. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. Anyway, I want to tell you, by the way, my friends, uh, it was just a joke. Uh, statistically, 63% of the American people are either religious or call themselves spiritual. But that means that 37% are either atheists or agnostics. And that is perfectly fine. I have respect for all people, regardless what they choose to believe in. That's why I appreciate so much what the German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche said in 19th century. The freedom of one person comes to an end where the freedom of another begins. And if I am to claim my freedom to have my beliefs, I absolutely must respect your freedom to follow your beliefs. Okay. Any calls so far? Any calls with the night dreams? Not yet? Okay. So today, ladies and gentlemen, together we begin a new journey. A journey of exploring the most powerful tool of all, the Torah. 
or as it is commonly called by the Christian community, the Old Testament. I will remind you once again that I will continue welcoming your calls with your questions and comments, uh, presenting challenges that you may be facing in your life, whether it's mental, emotional, or physical challenges. Remember, my specialty is mind-body integrative therapy. We'll also keep our last Tuesday of the month for the night dreams, if there are people who call, call with the night dreams. But I am honestly excited to start this new journey, exploring the tool which has been an inspiration and a guiding instrument in the life of the whole Western civilization, thanks to our Christian brothers. Yes, the Torah was given to the Hebrews, and they were told that they were to become, I quote, the light into the nations. It is written in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Surely a wise and discerning people is this great nation. And I, I continue. That's meaning that that's what will other nations say and will want to follow the ways of the Hebrews. But frankly, the Hebrews did not share that light to the nations for long. For a while, indeed, <clears throat> there were powerful, peaceful, and great nation, particularly during the reign uh, of King Solomon, who also made serious mistakes. Uh, and those mistakes uh, graduated, moved into the mistakes made by his son, and after Solomon's death, the people of the nation started fighting each other and eventually split into two separate countries, Israel and Judea, which soon were conquered, Israel by the Assyrians and Judea by, by the Babylonians. So it was the Christians who keep, picked up the ideas of the Torah and the prophets and spread them around the world. One of the great Hebrew theologist Moses Maimonides of the 12th century, though disagreeing with the Christians on major theological principles, gave them credit for spreading the words of the Torah around the world. In fact, according to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 17 through 19, Jesus said, Think not that I came to abolish the Torah and the prophets, I did not come to abolish the Torah and the prophets, but to enforce them. Whoever changes even a dot in the law will be cursed by the kingdom of heaven. Okay, now let's go back to the tool. This subject is the Torah. And if I manage to talk about it with any depth, help me God, the subject will never run run out of material. We're talking about not just the Torah, but the prophets, the book of Judges, then the book of the Kings, Psalms, Proverbs. Altogether, the Hebrew Bible is 24 books, and all contain within them enormous wisdom. If we manage to go through the Torah and you appreciate it, together we'll explore other books.
that where we're talking about the written books, then there is Talmud. Some of you may have heard about it. Regarding the Talmud, so I just want you to get familiar with terminology. I'm afraid to overwhelm you with numbers and, and names, but I will give you just basic stuff so that when we, I refer to something, you know what I'm talking about. The Torah was given to Moses in two parts. We're talking about 3,350 years ago. One part was written that is literally dictated by God, and one was given to Moses uh, to transmit, to be transmitted orally, but not written down. I have no idea how it was given. It was given like as one beam of light and information was just embedded in the mind of Moses or any other way. I have no idea. But that's what we are told, and I will tell you a little later how we know about it. So the part that was to become the oral Torah was to be remembered and transmitted orally to, from generation to generation. Moses taught it, brought the written Torah, as well as taught the oral tradition to 70 elders. And they taught to their children, uh, students and so on. Uh, in actually, in one place in the written Torah, the text alludes to this, to the, to the fact that there are two Torahs. It's written, and you will follow the Tarot. Tarot is plural for Torah, which means not only one. You will follow the Tarot that I have given to you. So the the Talmud is a set of books consisting basically of this, uh, of this oral teaching. Because at some point, uh, when the Romans destroyed the Second Temple, there was concern among the um, sages that the oral tradition may disappear. And so they decided to write it down. And was, uh, they wrote down what became known as Mishnah, which was a, a collection of originally oral laws supplementing the Torah laws. And then the Gemara, that is an elaboration on the Mishnah. Presently, the whole Talmud consists of 65 books. That's a commentary on the Torah. Most religious Jews are studying at least a part of the Talmud. All the rabbis must study it, and some know it by heart, believe it or not. I'm, yes, 65 books. About 15 years ago, a couple, for a couple of years, I was taking lessons with the rabbi in the Manhattan Sephardic Synagogue on 75th, book, um, 75th Street between 2nd and 3rd Avenue. And often when I would ask the rabbi a question, he would say, oh, yeah, yeah, let me think. It is written right here. And he would get up, pick out one of the books, one of those 65 books, not searching among them, but pick up one book that he knew of, open it, flip the pages, 
and show me the text which would answer my question. And that is just an ordinary rabbi, not a huge sage, just a chief rabbi of the synagogue. So uh, it's an enormous body of knowledge that people study in great depth. That's why I'm so hesitant to talk on the subject. Okay, as I told you, we'll study slowly and thoroughly. So today, we'll not start with the first chapter or even with the first verse of the Torah. Today, I want to make a case for the Torah being a divine text. Because it is not, if it is not divine, it really doesn't matter doesn't make sense to study it. If it's just a text written by human beings, there are many wonderful texts, many brilliant texts, uh, many inspirational books, uh, many codes of ethics. But I claim, as a religious uh, Hebrews claim, that this Torah is divine. It was dictated by God to Moses. How? through voice or through receiving messages through the mind, we don't know. Um, but the point is that I, I will attempt to make a point that this text could not possibly come from a human being or a group of human beings, no matter how, how wise they would be. Ironically, I, ne I need to make this uh, case that that um, to make the point that the Torah is divine, not to the Christians or Muslims. Those who refer to themselves as Christians and Muslims accept the Torah as a divine document. But according uh, to their belief, the Torah was part A. It, I, I'm just making up. It, no, they don't call it part A, but they, that's why Christians call it the, the Old Testament, because the New Testament, they believe, came, which means the Torah was part A, and then part B came with the Gospels. And, and Muslims believe, well, then there was Quran, part C, according to Muslims, right? So, but they don't deny that the Torah was given at Mount Sinai to the Hebrews by God. But for many of my fellow Jews, who call themselves uh, the Reformed Jews, they do suggest that the Torah was written by human beings and can be interpreted to fit the present times, the times we are living in. Uh, even though it's written in the Torah, clearly, I give you the laws and you are to follow them without, it's written, turning to the left or to the right, throughout all generations, throughout all generations. So let me then make a case to why the Torah cannot be altered and why it is undoubtedly a divine document. It could not be written by human beings. By the way, I, I am not that smart. I could not put all this um, together myself. Basically, I'm giving you abbreviated version of two, two pieces of uh, material. One, a series of lectures, in fact, four hours of lectures by Rabbi Yosef Mizrahi called Torah and Science, 
And another one is a book written by Rabbi Zamir Cohen called The Coming Revolution. Uh, I know, I know uh, Rabbi Yosef Mizrahi personally, so, uh, and I heard him tell the story. In fact, he and I grew up pretty much the same way. Right? He just grew, grew up in Israel, grew up in Ukraine, but we both were, uh, grew up totally in a secular community, not being religious at all. But then with, with Mizrahi, when he told the story that when he was 25 years old, he spoke to his cousin, who was a religious man. In fact, he was a student of one of the greatest, uh, biggest Hebrew scholars and Kabbalists of contemporary Israel, uh, Ben Sion Abba Shaul. So and his cousin asked him a question. He said, um, yeah, I know you don't believe in the Torah, uh, and I believe in the Torah, and both of us are comfortable with our ways. But let me ask you, is there any possibility? And he said to, to Yosef, you know, you know many, many, many wise people, uh, very educated people who do study the Torah and do accept it as a divine document, as a divine instruction. Do you believe there is 1% out of only 1% possibility that the Torah is indeed divine? And Yosef said, yeah, 1%, yes. So, and then his cousin said, so imagine you need to cross a field. You need to get to the other side and it's a huge field. There is only one place to cross. You, you, you cannot avoid it. It's not a huge field, but it's a field. You need to go to the other side. And you are told, go, go ahead. It's a safe way. There is uh, 99 uh, blocks of earth that are completely safe. But there is only one block. We don't tell you where, but one block, only one chance where there is a mine and it will blow you up into pieces. Would you go, would you cross the field? Even with one possibility that you will be blown into pieces. And Yosef said, of course not. And I mean, it's crazy to go because you don't know. So he said, that's, that's the point. If you believe there is one, one chance, 1% 1 possibility that it is a divine document, you don't have to jump and believe in it, but at least give yourself a chance and explore. Study for, for six months and see what you discover. And then you can move on with your life and say, no, I discovered that it's not even 1%, but give it a try. And so then he, of course, the rest is history. He decided to give it a try and then he became an, a great scholar. And now he's a wonderful, wonderful teacher. Remember, Jew, Jewish pe uh, people in Judaism, we're not trying to convert anybody to Judaism. In fact, we often, if somebody wants to convert, we talk people or try to talk people out of it. So, uh, but, but there is what is called Kiruv, and that is attempt to bring Jewish people back to the Torah. 
and uh, to, to Judaism. So, and that's what he is doing. He is giving lectures, and a lot of people understand what he teaches and do begin to study and follow the at least Shabbat and so on. So, uh, so now what I will do is I will give you a number of points why the Torah could not be written by humans. Uh, let's start with the story that goes back to the time when Hebrews left Egypt after 210 years of slavery. And 49 days later, they stood at the base of the Mount Sinai and witnessed Moses having a conversation with God because it's written the first two commandments that, that uh, Hebrews received, everybody heard. They heard the voice of God. We don't know how we, they heard it, but they felt very uncomfortable. They felt it in their bodies. It was absolutely overwhelming. And they begged Moses to go up the mountain and ask, speak to God without their participation, because they could not bear it. They were afraid, in fact, lest we die. Uh, and I quote, everything, they said, everything he will ask us to do, we'll do. Remember that they said, after the fact that 49 days before they walked out of Egypt and 10 miracles were happened, uh, happened 10 plagues uh, happened in Egypt, uh, till finally Pharaoh permitted the Hebrews to leave. After all the miracles, after the 10 plagues, the greatest superpower of that time, Egypt, was put down on its knees. And then the parting of the sea, they did not need proof. They were afraid to hear the voice. It was overwhelming. Everything he will ask, will do, they said. But that, all that he asked, God asked, was written in a book. The question is, how do we know without any doubt that it is indeed that document that Moses received so long ago? How do we know? How do we know it's not fake? How do we know it didn't change? One, one thing I have to tell you, uh, it did not change from the time Moses brought, uh, gave the book to, to the people. Because the rewriting the Torah is such a arduous and such a strict process that uh, every book of this scroll <coughs> is written then it checked by three, three rabbis, and then they give it to a schoolboy. And the schoolboy is reading the Torah, and if he does not understand one letter, he can, is not clear about this letter being written, the Torah is announced being not non-kosher, and it's buried. You cannot burn the Torah, but it's buried as not, not usable Torah, because it has to be perfect. And this tradition was kept for thousands of years, so much so that, remember, Ethiopian Jews, Jews, they were called philosophers um, of, of Ethiopia, were separated from the mainland, from Israel, 
for 2,000 years, more than 2,000 years. And when in, I believe in the 60s, when there was a great famine and Israel sent planes to bring the Jews of Ethiopia to Israel, and they brought their tarot, they brought their, their scrolls. And when uh, people of Israel looked at the scrolls, there was absolutely no difference between the scrolls that were written 20 years ago and the scrolls that Ethiopians brought. Any school child in Israeli school could read Ethiopian scrolls. And yet the scrolls were 2,000 years old. You understand, not the parchment itself, but they were rewriting, rewriting, and rewriting. And through all the centuries, millennia, they, nothing changed. That's how strictly it was observed that, that it do, does not change. Uh, the oral Torah was written down 1300 years um, ago. And slowly, 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 uh, people uh, recognized that the, the Talmud was polished and, and rewritten, and yet the information that contains in Talmud still is information that cannot come, could not come from a human being. Now I will start telling you um, what it was. But remember, if there would be one mistake in the text, only one mistake um, in anything that the text says, then it, this text is not divine because God does not have Alzheimer's. So if, if in one part of the Torah there is something said and then in another part uh, something that contradicts that which is said in the other part, then it's not a valid document because we accept that God when God speaks, every word of God is 100% accurate. So, and that's what God claims in the book, that God knows everything, because everything belongs to God. And he's totally of, aware of everything and everyone in his presentation. Or... So, there are so many commandments in this. Um, the Hebrews, although, you know, most people know about the Ten Commandments, but in reality, everything God says is a commandment. As Rebbe Mizrahi says, God is not your friend from high school. So, if something is written and God said so, so, it's a commandment. So. Hebrew people look at commandments as being 613 commandments. And many commandments make no sense. They go against human logic. So most, no, no, all texts, any text, remember the Torah is not the first text that is considered holy. Uh, but there were many, many stories, like a story of Gilgamesh from Sumerian, uh, Samaria, um, there the, the were the are Greek stories, but they were all heroic stories. They're all uh, stories where uh, 
God or, or some major hero is portrayed as a hero. Uh, nobody talks about a Gilgamesh, for example, uh, as, uh, having some imperfections. He's a hero. Greek gods, they, they are power, all powerful. But the Torah text tells every little de detail uh, as it was. Uh, for example, the Torah says at one point that you cannot, when God, uh, Hebrews received the commandments, they also received the commandment that people could not be married to their close relative, like a, a man could not marry his own aunt. That's kind of a, a tragic thing, because the father of Moses, Amram, was married to Yochavit, his own aunt. So they had to part. You understand? So it, it doesn't makes no sense. If somebody, let's say Moses made up a story, he wanted to be a leader, he made up a story. Uh, he would make up a believable story and not the story that would aggravate people. Suddenly, remember there were over, over two uh, million people there. So many people received bad news. Why would he aggravate people? He did not. God said to him to say this, and that's what he said. This book is telling a lot of problems that are not flattering. But the Torah doesn't lie. It tells, along with being a spiritual text, it's also a historical text. For example, Abraham was married to his sister. Jacob uh, pretends to be his brother Esau to receive a blessing from his father Isaac. Or the sons of Jacob, Levi and Shimon, slaughter a whole community in Shem who uh, abused, abused his, uh, raped his, um, their, their sister. But nevertheless, they slaughtered the whole community when they promised that if the community uh, accepts um, the faith and uh, of the Hebrews, and they circumcise themselves, so then they will be forgiven because then their daughter Dina, their sister Dina, could become a wife of that person who raped her, right? And then Shimon and Levi go and slaughter all the whole community while those people are recovering from circumcision. Is it a good action? No, they're murderers. So in these things are written in the Torah because it is the truth. So, but also it's into, and the brothers of, um, uh, of Joseph, of Joseph, are selling him into slavery. Is it a good thing? Of course not. But it's written in the Torah. Think about the psychology of this text. So many unflattering things are revealed about the people who claim we have an incredible book called Instruction. The interesting thing is, yes, they are such imperfect people, and still God loves them. We are all, ladies and gentlemen, are very imperfect. 
and yet God loves us. So God still gives them uh, support whenever they need it. And uh, through generations, these people are supported and forgiven over and over again. When Moses went up, all the people were preparing to celebrate, for example. They killed many animals. And then Moses brings the rules, brings from the mountain the rules, which say that meat cannot be eaten if it's not kosher. So many millions of dollars by uh, today's um, account were slaughtered, and it was all wasted. But Moses brought the, the new rules. That's why, by the way, there is a still holiday, Shavuot, it's receiving of the Torah, and the Jewish people eat only dairy. Why? Because they could not eat meat that they slaughtered for the holiday, because now it was not uh, a kosher, because God said there is a particular way to, to slaughter the animal. And that's why we, on Shavuot, we eat on the dairy. That's to commemorate that part. In the Deuteronomy chapter 4, God says, you will not follow my laws. And I will send you in all the directions of the world. And there, will, there you will follow the religion of the wood and the religion of the cross. Now, Remember, God is 3,350 years ago. The God, God is saying through Moses to the Hebrew people, I will give you the land and you will turn away from me. You will stop following my laws, which absolutely happened. So, and then remember, I will send you in different parts of the world. And that's what happened with the Romans. Remember, Romans destroyed the second temple and the Hebrews were scattered around the world. And it's written, and you will follow the religion of the cross, of uh, uh, the, the, the religion of the wood and the religion of the stone. That's what is written. It's how many? Uh, 1900 years, 1700 years before Christianity, the religion of the wood, right? And 2,400 years before Islam, the religion of the wood and the religion of the stone. And the stone is, of course, in Mecca. They have the rock. And it's written further, and I will turn my away. Because you turned away from me, I will turn away from you. Notice within the same text in Deuteronomy, in, within the same text, in equal mathematical skips of 50 letters, inside of that text, not all over the whole Torah, specifically in the chapter 4 of Deuteronomy, if you take the word, it, it's written, and God said to Moshe, and that's when he says to Moshe, and then uh, that, that I will scatter you, ta-ta-ta-ta. And if you take the word uh, 50, 50 letters skipping, the word Moshe starts with mem, 
and then 50 war, uh, letters later, Kuf, then 50, late, 50 letters later, Hey, and 50 letters year later, Waf. Uh, it says then Shoah. Uh, basically, it says that the code is saying that you will be slaughtered, the, the Holocaust will happen. That is 1300 years, 1300 years after, uh, no, two, th yeah, th 1300 years after, before Christianity was, you know, 1700 years before Christianity and 2400 years before Islam. And what happened in, in truth? A lot of people who were scattered uh, around the world did turn, to, uh, there was a lot of conversion to Christianity and Islam. And then this horrific thing happened. And what I'm saying is this was predicted 3,300 years ago. So a couple of more um, points that, that demonstrate that the Torah could not be written by a human being. Only creator of the earth could know everything about what is happening on the planet. For example, in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 9, it's written, it talks about kashrut, what to eat and what not to eat. And it's written, eat only fish that has fins and scales. Everything that has fins has scales, and everything has, that has scales has fins. Now, how since then, and for, for over three millennia, there was no fish found that has only fins but no scales, or only scales but no fins. Think about this implication. Remember, there are so many mutations, so many, so many fishes in, in the sea, in the ocean. And yet, the creator of the world knew to say, this is what in the ocean, and it cannot be and never will be any other way. Or another example, also about eating kosher now animals. The animals is that is kosher needs to chew its cud, you know, and, and to have split hooves. If you know what's chewing its cud, uh, like, like a cow, for example, it swallows, chews uh, grass, uh, uh, and then regurgitates the grass, uh, whatever it chewed, and chews it again. So that's called chewing its cud. So what the Torah says is that you can only eat animals that uh, chew their cud and have split hooves. Now, there are two million species of different animals, right? But it's written also that, be careful, there are four animals in the whole world, in animal world, four animals that may deceive you. They may, they may have 
uh, hooves, but they don't chew their cud. Or they may chew their cud, but they don't have hooves. And that is camel, pig, rabbit, and a hare. Hare is something looking like a rabbit. Only four. It's written in the Torah. And guess what? Through thousands of years, they did not find another animal that is like this. There is no fifth animal that has one, but not the other. How could somebody know? How could, if not, if it's not God, know that there are only four animals like this and not five? Um, let me, let, let me, I'm look, looking at the clock. Let me give you examples from astronomy. Again, you can read the book of Zamir Cohen, The Coming Revolution. Actually, the second edition now is called Science Coming of Age. And it gives you many, many scientific uh, discoveries of 19th, 20th century uh, and it demonstrates how in the Torah it was written uh, thousands of years ago. And if it's not in the Torah, it's in Talmud, which is oral Torah. Let me give an example from astronomy. Zohar, it's a 2,000-year-old uh, Kabbalistic text, says, which again, Zohar is based, like Talmud, is based on the Torah. It's written in Zohar, the whole world is turning around like a ball and in constant movement. Remember, 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, the, the rest of the world believed that the world was flat, right? It's only Galileo Galilei suggested that um, in 18th century, uh, suggested, or what is it, in 17th? 17th or 18th century, Galilee, uh, suggested that the, the earth is spinning around. But 2,000 years, not, it's not any astronomer, but, um, but the, the rabbi, um, what's his name, Ben Shimon, uh, wrote the Zohar and said that the earth is a ball and people live on one side and on the other side, which also suggests the law of gravity, because nobody is falling off the, the earth, right? And it's also written in the, the Sohar that uh, depending on their environment, depending on where people live, they look different because of the air they breathe. Uh, and it's so true. Remember the ancient Hebrews uh, lived uh, in, in this Arabian Peninsula and most they could see in physically, you know, Egyptians, maybe Egyptian slaves, uh, but they had no idea about all different populations, all different Chinese people, uh, uh, people from uh, Hawaii, and yet they were saying that people live, look very different. They're all around the globe, and they look depending on, on the air that they breathe in. 
It's written also in Zohar, when the light is on one side of the globe, it is dark on the other side of that bowl. There are places on earth, it's written, where it is dark for a very short time. Again, that's North Pole. The first time people got to the North Pole and discovered that it was uh, light all the time was in, in um, 1908, I believe. In the 17th century, in, uh, in 1609, Galilei invented the telescope. And finally, it was discovered that there were more stars than 7,000, before, because before, people would look up and count the stars. And the most, they counted to 7,000 stars. Uh, and in fact, there was a, actually dialogue between Christians and Jews uh, throughout centuries. But Christians would say to the Jews, to the rabbis, so tell us, did God bless you or God cursed you? Because God said, according to the Torah, God said, your descendants will be like stars in heaven and the sand on the shore. So if it's like sand on the shore, it's an infinite amount of sand, so of grains, so he blessed you. But if it's the like amount of stars, he cursed you because there are only 7,000 stars. Yes, and yet in Talmud, we're talking about now 2,000 years ago, in Talmud, Chapter Brachot, page 32, that's this you can look up. It's written about the stars. And actually, it's a conversation that is written down that one of the sages of Israel has with God. And it's right after the temple was destroyed. Uh, and one of these sages says to God, uh, even animals take care of your children, of their children. And you, God, called us your children, and you abandoned us. How come that you didn't protect us from the Romans? And God, the, the sages then say about the experience that this particular sage had, God got angry, and God said, remember, it's 2,000 years ago. God said, I have created 12 different sections. In each of them, each uh, section has 30 armies, and each army has 30 legions, using the language of that time, remember? And each legion has 30 car carton, and each carton has 30 kaaton, and each kaaton has 30 gistula, and each gistula has 365,000 multiplied by 10,000 stars. That's like, it's a crazy number, right? <laughs> but if you take a calculator and you multiply all those numbers, it comes to what? 10 in 19 power. You can do it with a calculator, 10 in 19 power. And he, God is angry and says, and all this I created for you, 
and you dare to speak to me this way, that I don't care about your children, the children? Ladies and gentlemen, in 1990, Dr. Bruher from Queen's College in, in England found that we have the amount of uh, stars, which is 10 in 19th power. How could it be? How could they know if it's not from the creator of the universe? Why would they say not 10? Why not a million? Why not a billion? Why not 10 billion? Not how did they come up with this number if it didn't come from this statement that they received from cre the creator of universe himself? So um, let me let me rush through. I want to really finish today the, the story with divinity of uh, origin of the Torah. Babylonian Talmud was written uh, 500 years ago. Five, uh, I'm sorry, 500, year 500 of common era, which means 1500 years ago. There is a chapter called Nagila, page six, speaks about the foundation of Germany. It clearly states Germania. And in that chapter, just to remind you, 1500 years ago, Jacob speaks to God and asks not to allow the offsprings of his brother Esau, who wanted to kill him, to destroy Israel. And that can come only from what again is called Germania, Germany. It says, and you can, uh, in, uh, uh, in big encyclopedia of Israel, if you look up, it's written that Germania, Germany, before it became Germany, before Bismarck united the country, consisted of 300 tribes. And it's written in Babylonian Talmud 1500 years ago that a country consisting of 300 tribes called Germania will destroy you and almost annihilate you. How about that? How, where could it come from? I'm uh, looking for more. Uh, you know, it's endless. It's endless. I, I prepared a lot of material. For example, give you another example. This is mind-blowing, uh, boggling. Uh, the word, I don't know if you know, ladies and gentlemen, that the Hebrew language has corresponding letters numbers to every letter, which means, for example, Aleph, letter first, like A, Aleph is number one, Bet, number two, Gimel, number three, Dalit, number four, and so on. So, and you can actually give a, a number of different letters and the person, uh, numbers, and the person will be able to write a letter. In fact, at one point, I was very interested in Gematria, and I was leaving notes to my wife in numbers. I would write a number, comma, a number, comma, number, comma, number, comma, and then period, which meant it was one word, and then so on and so on. It was just fun. So the number for the name of God and the name which is 
forbidden to pronounce. Uh, it's it's uh, the letters are yud, hey, vav, hey. Yud is number ten. Hey, number five. Uh, vav, number six, and another hey is number five. So the name of God is ten five six five. Okay. So now I will tell you something totally crazy. Ah. <laughs> uh, the biologists who studied who studied um, DNA discovered that I don't even understand now what I will be telling you. It's just science, and I, I don't understand. But just think about it. Numbers 10, just remember, 10, 5, 6, 5. They discovered that the way our DNA is constructed is with uh, acids. One is called adenine, another one guamine, another one uh, cytomine, and another one thiamine. And then there is a bridge. I don't know how it's created, that bridge. And then this pattern is repeated. And then another bridge. Uh, look, listen to how this bridge is connected. This, uh, these four repeat themselves. After 10 little bridges, these four appear. And then after five more little bridges, these four appear. After six little bridges, they appear. And after five, they appear. Then it goes again after 10, the sequence after five, after six, after five. Then again after 10, after five, after six, after five. Then again after 10, after five, after six, after five. Do you understand? The, the numbers, the name of God is encoded in our DNA. As is like God has a sense of humor. And God encoded God's name, understanding that at some point in human history, we'll be able to understand the DNA and we'll be able to, to see God's signature. Just think about it. It's like, why is it not any other way? Why these bridges don't come through different sequences? Why not every two um, bridges? Why not every five? Not, why not five, seven? No, ten, five, six, five. And these are the letters of the name of God. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I gave you, I, I know I was stumbling because... There is, I, I'm actually skipping a lot of information. I prepared so much. Uh, you, I, the best is if you doubt, if you question whether Torah is the divine document, really buy the book by Zemir Cohen. It's now called The Science Coming of Age. And you will see that every scientific discovery, including what they call Louis Pasteur, the, um, the rabies vaccine, um, any any the discuss, the discussion about previous lives, uh, invention, different inventions are all in the Torah. 
all mentioned, just like uh, the I told you about the planet Earth and uh, law of gravity, which only Isaac Newton in 17th century postulated, and yet 2,000 years ago, um, as they wrote down the oral Torah, they already knew about it. Who, if not the creator of all this, could know? So I hope I made my case, and if I didn't, read up, read up on your own, because starting, to me, I don't have any doubt that it is indeed a divine text. Uh, there is no other text, holy text of any tradition, there is no other text that has this kind of sequences uh, explaining life in to such detail or having secret codes. In fact, there is a book called The Bible Code that shows that, again, in particular parts of the Torah, where it's written that Jews turned away from God and God turns their, his face away from them, uh, again, with it, it's encoded. Uh, read about the Bible code, and you will um, you will be able to see it on your own. Uh, the the word Hitler, uh, with equal mathematical skips, uh, the gas of with which the Hebrews were poisoned, cyclone B, and the word Eichmann and final solution, all is encoded in the Torah. Who? if not the one who knows past, present, and future, could write a book like this or dictate a book like this. So from now on, when I talk about Torah, I will not um, uh, be referring to it as anything but a divine text. And if it's a divine text, nothing is by a chance, nothing, not one letter is wasted, everything is meaningful, and therefore will go slowly through every little section, not only every verse, every word. And you will discover, I hope, a lot of interesting information for yourself. And we're coming to the end of this show. I hope you, you could stay with me and tolerate. I, I was um, not clear, I think, at times, because I was skipping through my notes because I wrote a lot of no's. I thank you for being with me, and peace to all who want to live in peace.